Hello and welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Dr Virginia Reid. Well, we've heard an awful lot about climate change and its effect on various things, but to be more specific about its effects on health, I have with me in the studio today Dr Graham Horton from the Doctors for the Environment Australia, DEA. Welcome, Dr Horton. Thank you, Virginia. Graham, why is it that we should know more about the effects on our health of the environmental change that we're noticing? Well, Virginia, the reality is that um, climate change is in fact a lot more than just an economic problem. It is in fact a threat to our life support systems. As doctors, we are very concerned about the health of our patients and there are already patients presenting with uh, climate change-related illnesses and we expect that this will increase uh, in, in coming decades and we want our patients to be prepared for what's ahead and we want everything to be done to make sure that people are protected as much as possible. Mm. And so what are the things that we're noticing already? Well, each year we know that um, studies have shown that around 1,100 people die in, in capital cities in Australia, but people who are over 65 due to heat-related stress. Um, and and this, this is expected to increase you know, to over about 4,000 people per year by 2050. But um, we're also seeing people presenting, you know, with the uh, injuries and whatnot from extreme weather events. And we know that some of those are related to the increase in climate. I mean, in fact, in, in worldwide, the World Health Organization has um, stated that um, that 60,000 people are, are dying of, of climate-related natural disasters each year and many more related to other problems such as gastroenteritis, malnutrition and dehydration and, and uh, malaria, all related to climate change. So what you're saying is that we're noticing an increase in temperatures, say, in the summer months in certain parts of the world, specifically related just to climate change. That's correct. And who are the people that are susceptible, most susceptible to, to heat change? Uh, well, there was, of course, the, uh, the devastating heat wave that affected Europe in mm-hmm. 2003. And um, in that heat wave, over 35,000 people lost their lives. And, uh, and uh, people have looked at this information very carefully and found that it was, in fact, the elderly who were most at risk. Um, and the people that were most vulnerable were those um, with, who lived alone, who had medical conditions, mm-hmm. um, and who were vulnerable for other reasons, such as a mental illness. Um, so, you know, this is really important information that we can take and look at so that our communities are better prepared in the future for these events. Mm-hmm. So what, how does it actually affect you, increased heat? What does it actually do to you? Well, in, in heat waves, um, basically if people are, uh, allow themselves to get overheated, um, it causes instability of the cardiovascular system. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually when people you know, do become very overheated, the body loses the ability to sort of regulate its own temperature, and that's, mm-hmm. of course, a very um, a dangerous state. And this leads to dehydration, mm-hmm. which is also um, a risk in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, from that, there are measures of which, you know, can be taken to make sure that people are warned as much as possible. Mm. Um, but there are other factors such as, you know, medications that people are taking and, and, um, oh, yeah. 
and perhaps alcohol and drug of use. All of that sort of interacts to to uh, to you know to work with heat to be a threat to to one's health in these sort of extreme weather events. Mm. And it's thought that these, um, for example, the cyclone etc. in Burma. It could be possibly related to climate change, or that's been well proven. I guess for any one extreme weather event, it's hard to know, you know, how much of that particular event is related to climate change and, and global warming. Um, it's, I guess, uh, it's better to look overall and, and realise that, you know, in coming years, that uh, there will be increased numbers of these extreme weather events, and we're all just too familiar with the uh, the devastation caused by events such as uh, the cyclone in Burma and Hurricane Katrina and, and other other of these such events. Mm, I don't know that people are actually... We, I mean, we do see a lot, don't we, of, of footage, etc. But what are the sorts of specific illnesses or effects that one sees from... A, for example, if we, we, we had recently in Newcastle or relatively recently major flooding mm. and uh, cycl- a, a, a sort of small storm comparatively, I suppose. Um, what, what were some of the effects of health that we saw at that time on local people? It's best to think about this in, two, in, in three groups, really. You've got the acute injuries mm-hmm. and deaths that mm-hmm. result from drownings, for example. That's, that's probably what affects most people in, in floods and storms, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also other sort of injuries and um, fractures and whatnot that occur due to mm-hmm. uh, extreme weather. In the aftermath of these events, um, and this has been something that's been talked about in Burma a lot, of course, is, is the huge threat of uh, food and waterborne gastroenteritis, infectious mm-hmm. diseases, which can spread in the aftermath mm-hmm. in events such as flooding. And yeah, then the uh, one thing that saved us here was that it was cold. But if you combine that with warmth, you're really in trouble, aren't you? That's right. Yes. Mm. And then I guess the third tier of this is the is the emotional stress and post traumatic yes. stress that people suffer uh, after such events. Mm, I don't know about yourself, but uh, that's the one thing that I did. I have really felt the effect of here in Newcastle. The people who've been who were devastated mm. by that storm and the after effect. I don't know that a great deal of uh, notice has been taken of that, but certainly a lot of people were really badly affected by it. And this is something I believe that um, the health professions need to be working yes. uh, together to ensure that there are services available for people who are suffering from mm. from these problems. And recognition of it. Exactly, exactly right, yeah. Mm, it's devastating mm. to have your home ruined, completely ruined. That's right, yeah. So the other thing I suppose that does that is bushfires. That's another devastating thing that can sweep through a community and have a have a long-lasting effect. Are we seeing an increase in the number of bushfires throughout the world? Well, work has been done for Australia as well, looking at um, the fact that the number of days of extreme fire danger are predicted to um, increase by by 2050, but also even by 2020. Um, we're looking at, um, depending on... You know, the extent to which we act to limit global warming um, by, you know, the, uh, the, number, the percentage of number of days could, could increase by, you know, 65% in mm. these sort of time frames. That's certainly relevant to Australians, isn't it? Well, we're all too familiar with uh, the effects of severe bushfires that, of course, brings um, problems with burns and deaths, but also respiratory disease. That um, comes what are the from effects on respiratory smoke. disease? What, what do we notice? Uh, during... 
bushfire outbreaks, um, there's certainly uh, it's observed that there are increased admissions to hospital um, with um, illnesses such as asthma. Right. And there are many, many people, um, including elderly, suffering at home with uh, you know chronic respiratory diseases that uh, get right. worse in the presence of smoke and just sort of pushes pollution. them over the brink of their capacity. That's right. Yes. Right. Mm, yeah, long-term effects. Mm. You're listening to Wellbeing and I'm discussing the health effects of the climate change with Dr Graham Horton of DEA, Doctors for the Environment Australia. Graham, we've discussed the various health effects on of people um, throughout the world, really, of um, the environmental change that we're seeing. What exactly is Doctors for the Environment about and uh, what sort of changes do they hope to effect? Well, Doctors for the Environment is a voluntary organisation of doctors who are basically aware that our health is fundamentally dependent on the health of our environment and um, we want to promote awareness that looking after the environment is actually good for our health. So we're active on a number of issues. Climate change is, um, is uh, of course, one that's, that we're devoting a lot of attention to at the moment. But there are other ways in which uh, threats to the environment can, in fact, be bad for our health. And that looks at loss of biodiversity uh, and pollution related to transport and other um, activities of human beings. All of these are areas in which we believe as health practitioners that we have a particular role of communicating to the public, to our patients and to government that these things are health issues and they deserve much attention um, to make sure that our patients are looked after. It's kind of like a public health concern in a larger domain really, isn't it? I guess what what, um, we are in our work and, and in what we're doing in Doctors for the Environment, we're particularly aware of, of, the, of what the environment can handle in mm. terms of human activity. But when you look at human health, the major gains have come from recognising that bugs cause disease, therefore we should have a good sewage system, a clean water system, and uh, you know what we eat, what our food chain is, mm. is vitally important to our health. This is a, a, a more global sort of look at that, isn't it? That's, that, that's right, yeah. I mean, the, the World Health Organisation tells us that the majority of uh, the illness is in fact um, caused by environment-related problems. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, this knowledge is not new, but it's easy to forget. Mm. And that's well, what it's a different domain again, isn't it, of looking at how the environment impacts health and what's changing in the environment. Yes, that's Making right. Making that our responsibility again, hmm. the, the health profession's responsibility. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Putting it in the public health domain. That's right. And uh, I think as, as, uh, as doctors we can, I guess, um, make it clear that really we're not prepared to just leave this up to someone else's responsibility mm. and assume it that it will be looked it after. It is one of our domains, yeah. That's right. Mm. Mm. And how do you propose to have an impact? I mean, I believe you've already put out a report called the Climate Change Health Check 2020. <laughs> the 2020 in there is very, very, uh, <laughs> very clever. Um, that people can actually view on your website, and I'll give that now if that's okay. It's www.dea.org. 
dot au in case people would like to have a look at that report and um, people welcome to use it as a resource for discussing health change, climate change. Yeah, most definitely that can be downloaded from the website. Mm -hmm. And what's in that report? The report um, firstly starts off by looking at the ways in which human health is threatened by climate change. Uh, The report was launched uh, on World Health Day. Mm -hmm. Uh, The United Nations uh, declared that World Health Day uh, in April this year, the theme was protecting health from climate change. And the World Health Organization basically encouraged people uh, around the world to to get together uh, the recent research relating to climate change and to make it known in their communities in ways which, you know, people, that, that was relevant to people in those communities. So it starts off with looking at the uh, health effects of climate change, um, looking at who is most vulnerable and um, in which case in the report it mentions the elderly, it mentions children, mm. um, it mentions rural communities and also, of course, coastal communities who are vulnerable to coastal surges and storm surges. Uh, it then moves on and um, it, whilst acknowledging that, you know, there are, there are also uh, even more potentially acute and devastating effects that may affect the third world and that we need to be prepared to think how, how are we going to support others in our region and to help uh, in the best way. It then moves on and looking at, well, you know, what, what, how does our health system need to be responsive? How does it need to adapt to make sure that, firstly, climate change is limited as much as possible, but secondly, that um, our patients are prepared and looked after in the face of these increasing threats. So it discusses the fact that um, our health system needs to be responsive to the many and varied threats that climate change poses, uh, that our health system needs to collaborate and work with um, many different sectors of the, of the community. Um, and then it also looks at the ways in which uh, doctors and other health professionals have a lot of opportunities to look after the health of their patients in ways which are also sensitive to the needs of the environment. Uh, and that, can, that, and that um, mm. covers areas such as environmentally sensitive diets, mm-hmm. keeping people fit in ways which uh, have a low environmental impact, and, um, and also leading into an advocacy role of persuading those uh, with responsibilities for shaping our communities that this needs to be done in ways which are environmentally responsible. Mm. Does it talk about all the packaging and things that, we, that, that is necessitated by sterility requirements these days? We're incredible garbage producers, aren't we? That's right. I guess the easiest place to look at that first is in our food packaging and whatnot. And, mm. and certainly when we look at diets, as well as what we eat, how we buy it and where it comes from, all of that is, is quite relevant. But and I meant doctors per se. I mean, when you, when, when you go to suture somebody these days, everything's absolutely disposable and uh, that, that's kind of sad. Mm, yeah. It used to be that you, you, you autoclaved things, but now that's you, right. you, because of the threat of AIDS and yeah. B and the cost of things. We certainly welcome initiatives. Disposing a lot of things. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. And uh, we certainly welcome um, the efforts of uh, other, other uh, organisations and, uh, as well that are looking at um, something called like a green hospitals initiative wow. of mm-hmm. looking at um, how, how clinics and, 
and more, uh, yeah, the, uh, the hospital settings can mm. be made as environmentally friendly as possible. And um, there, there's increasing discussion and, um, and meetings about that, that very thing. Mm, I think that's wise given the wastage that you see on an everyday basis in hospitals particularly. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Mm. You're listening to Wellbeing and we're discussing the effects on your health of the environment change with Dr Graham Horton from Doctors for the Environment Australia. So at the moment, what is Doctors for the Environment doing about their findings, if you like, or, or with the organisation? Well, one of the, one of the strengths of the organisation is the diversity of its members. We come from all sectors of the uh, medical profession. Who, who are the members on the whole? Uh, we, we, we have a um, large number of general practitioners, but there's also uh, public health specialists uh-huh. and other procedural specialists, physicians and uh, surgeons who, who join. Mm. And uh, that's great because it means that um, people have different interests mm-hmm. and different skills to contribute. Mm. So um, we, we have we're active in a number of different ways. Uh, we are we have put out um, successful educational posters for doctors' waiting rooms mm-hmm. um, to communicate these messages. When you mentioned the twenty twenty report, did you get a voice at all at the summit? One of uh, there were at least two uh, members oh, of well done. doctors no, for the environment. Too many doctors represented. <laughs> That's the right. Stars and AFL, AFL people, but yeah, not too right. many doctors. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I'm certainly aware of at least uh, two of our um, members and uh, Professor Tony McMichael, uh, who was representing a, a member of our scientific committee, uh-huh. also was present. Um, so, uh, yeah, so certainly. And, and the other thing that we do is, um, is we have opportunities to meet with politicians to communicate our um our views and mm-hmm. to make sure that they're aware of scientific knowledge in this area and because we are um we are i guess a professional body with a with clearly an interest in human health mm. um we uh we are successful in getting you know a significant number of meetings with politicians about about this directly with the politician not that's just right with advisors yes no no with the, with the politician we, That's um, terribly advantageous, isn't it? That's unusual. Uh, we've certainly been commended for our efforts in that, and uh, and um, and it's recognised as as an as an important way of influencing policy yeah. and getting our message across. Other other opportunities are that we utilise are when um, there are calls for submissions to government task forces, for example, and we've uh, put in submissions about uh, the emissions trading scheme that the uh, state governments met about um, and uh, we're also active in researching ways that we can engage our fellow professionals in reducing their environmental impact in their clinics for example um, and we're also uh, keen to take opportunities to um, to educate our profession, our profession in the in in uh, the setting of say prof- in professional conferences, and we had a successful meeting in uh, Western Australia, combined with Rural Health West, uh, late last year. So um, e- each of these ways brings different uh, different gains, uh-huh. and um, you know we're very excited to hear from our members about other opportunities and ways in which they'd like to be involved as well. So it's an ongoing 
process. It's not uh, you don't have a sort of um, brief that you stick to. That I mean, it, presumably we're all going to have to adapt. That mm. being the key sort of mechanism by which we're going to cope with this change. That's right. Yeah, I think we need to be we need to be flexible and looking for new solutions to these problems. Mm. So yes, the work of Doctors for the Environment is definitely a work in progress. Mm. Our efforts are, I would say, accelerating in recent months, just as climate change is. Yes. Um, I mean, that's the hard part, isn't it, is knowing when what will happen, when and what will mm. happen. That's right. I guess one of... Uh, we, are, we are definitely, you know, c- careful and mindful to make sure that what we say is accurate and based in science. Yes. Um. And but we're doing that uh, with a real sense of urgency. Yes. That there really isn't any time to lose in making large changes. I was going to say the only problem with science is that it's, it it looks backwards often. That's and right. We need yes. to extrapolate, and it's difficult to extrapolate when there's a lot of unknowns. That's right. I guess the um, the work of the intergovernmental panel on climate change is. Uh, is a greatly beneficial resource. It's a collection of um, 3,000 3, of the world's you know, leading scientific minds that uh, come together and release these reports every, uh, four, every four years. On how it is at the present yeah, time. providing regular mm. updates. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so that sort of... And they release these sort of predictions mm-hmm. um, with sort of ranges of what we might expect. And, and I guess as, as the years advance, the ranges become for things like sea level rise right. and temperature increases. Right. The, uh, the ranges narrow so that we've got a better idea of what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. But, yes, you can't be absolutely definite because it's, it's, a, it's a complex... Um, yes, well, nobody can predict the weather that well. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it would it, seem. But what we can say is that, uh, you know, with a great deal of certainty that the, um, the climate is warming up and, it, and that uh, with a great deal of certainty that it is related to what human beings are doing. Thank you very much for your time and your effort. I've, it's greatly appreciated. So if people would like uh, to contact the organisation, they should do it through that website? Uh, yes, yes, we'd be uh, certainly glad to hear from, uh, from um, people who are interested and potential members. And potential members of medical practitioners. That's mm-hmm. correct, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that website again is www.dea.org.au. And on that website, you can view the Climate Change Health Check 2020, which is a comprehensive document laying out what Doctors for the Environment is about and also what they propose for the future. Graham, thank you very much for your time and your effort and for coming in today to discuss with us the very important impacts that the changes in the environment will have on our health. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks, Virginia. I've been speaking to Dr Graham Horton, member of Doctors for the Environment Australia, a not-for-profit organisation comprising medical practitioners who are concerned about the state of the environment and who believe that human health is threatened by human impacts on the environment. I'm Dr Virginia Reid and from all of us here on Wellbeing, we'd like to say we wish you well.